Before we start the show, I wanted to say thanks for listening. We want to bring you the best show we can, and sometimes it takes us a week or two to cut, edit, and present you something polished. But if you're the kind of person who wants to hear the long version with no frills and wants it as soon as possible, we're now putting our Ready Player 2 episode reviews on Patreon. Pay as much as you think is fair and get access to uncut episodes just hours after we record it. Join our community of gunters at patreon.com forward slash get to the good part, no spaces. Now, on to the show. Welcome back to Get to the Good Part. This is Chris. And this is Aaron. And we are into chapter 19. We have pulled ourselves back into the boardroom for bad news and even worse news. And just to bring you up to speed, the bad news is everyone's locked in their fucking chair and they're going to die in a matter of hours. Yeah, I hate when that happens. But there's even worse news. And it comes in two layers. And the first one is all of those cool, pleasant NPCs that would give you side quests and, you know, would reliably be in their little places like, you know, the the guy sweeping the broom outside of his shop that you could go and interact with and choose the different responses or the little lady crossing the street going, oh, what about my cat in the tree? Someone help me. A real Truman show. They have all gone off their fucking rocker. They've gone rogue. They've gone, as they put it, and I don't think this is actually PC anymore, but they said gone gone postal. <laughs> <laughs> Attacking player characters uh, and stealing all of their shit, which <laughs> if I heard that, my response would be mother puss bucket. Yeah, but I love that reference. I, Ghostbusters, Bill Murray, yeah, Peter Bankman, 1985. So the entire world is starting to sort of collapse now and people are being attacked and their shit is being stolen by these characters. And where is all of their loot going? It's going to Thonia. Ah, that sucks. Could you imagine being in in like a place where you expect nothing like this is going to happen? You're just kind of casually going around and like in Scipio or like some other place like Ludus or whatever, and you get killed, then you lose all your shit. Yeah, but that it's an NPC. Yeah, you know, like it's not just player expecting. characters taking your shit; it's NPCs taking your shit. Uh, it's mean, um, that's a ball buster. Freaking pandemonium, and, and they kill you. Yeah, yeah, and that's that is that is not the worst of these two things, which is that they kill you and steal your shit. It's that they kill you and you don't come back. That's the second worst thing. You get stuck in sort of a mental limbo. limbo. Yeah. Now it's kind of like for realsies. It's like the original arcade games, only not even having three lives, just one. Oh, snap. And if you're gone, you go into that mental limbo and then who the fuck knows what happens. But the thing that I like about this is that this poses a real world danger. A conundrum, if you will. And the the conversation goes like this. What the fuck happens when people start to realize that they're not spawning back, but they're not waking up? What happens to the world when criminals realize that they can break into out? Because before, like your rig generally, you know, will will wake you up if somebody comes and starts fucking with you. Right. You know, or there's a camera that you can, you know, look to see what's going on in the real world. You can. Yeah. If you can reference it now. 
anybody who's been killed online is now in this basically comatose with the rig on. And now imagine criminals realizing this and breaking into homes and doing whatever they want with your shit and your body. Yeah, it's not a good thing. No, no, super bad. Definitely not a good thing. Like that really imposes like some real fucking twisted shit that could happen. Uh, So they got to keep that stuff down. On the same note, they realize going back over some of the previous material that the Morris Code, in combination with this understanding that Og is now definitely leaving hints in their world, it's trying to show them something, trying to give them a hint. And it's in this chapter that we kind of confirm that what Og's done is he's left hints to where he's located, which is in his old home. There was a part of this chapter that I highlighted in my notes just because it reminded me so much about the way we do our show research, particularly mm-hmm. in the first book. I don't think it's been as much in the second book because... well, I don't feel like there's been as much of, of a sort of play along. Yeah. Right. But the part that I'm talking about is when he's talking about the score mm-hmm. that Og left and like clearly he did something purposeful, which... You know, I had had in my show notes from that chapter, there's got to be something there. And, you know, I had found like a zip code or whatever. And and Parswell says, I did a general internet search for that sequence of numbers, but the vast majority of the results were all prices and product numbers. <laughs> and I'm just like, this just sounds like when we're like looking at it. It sounds like, oh, like what I we want- do. It sounds like what we do. It's like, ooh, this number. Like, <laughs> look at all these scores on the scoreboard. They must mean something. Let me Google them and see what comes up. Right, and, right. I don't know. I really enjoyed that part. It just it just made me chuckle because it just reminded me of us when we're really doing our deep dives into these chapters. Yeah, yeah, it does. And then and then eventually they they suss out the numbers here to represent uh, the roads. So seven fifty Babbitt Road. So Babbitt being the name of the characters. Five fifty. Five fifty Babbitt Road. Sorry, I don't know where I got seven fifty from. Anyhow, at seven five fifty. The, la- the last three digits were seven fifty. It was five fifty seven fifty. So, what was seven fifty? Was closer to Morris Road. Was that the actual address that that they think he might be held in? Yeah, five fifty was. I think. Oh gosh, what was it? The what new is... house and seven fifty was the old house. Yeah, something. Like at the end, at the end of the day, seven fifty was the house down the road, Babbitt Road, near quote unquote Morris Road, which they they again sussed out from Morris Code. But at the end of the day, they realize they're hiding him in Og's old home. Because who would look at his old home? Kind of a brilliant place, but also... It's empty. It's just down the street, so they didn't have to go very far. You know, there isn't as much of a trail. I mean, to the point that was made in the book, it was like, who would have thought they would have hidden there? Yeah. Why would you be, like, right there? That would be kind of stupid. But it's brilliant. So this is a short chapter. I mean, we're basically coming in and we're being told people can die now and they will not respawn and they'll just be in limbo. Their bodies can be ravaged and their shit can be stolen. And in the Oasis, their shit's being stolen. And what's their shit being stolen for? It's basically so that Halliday can can find the most interesting or specific artifacts that he's going to need for what we assume to be is an impending fight. Because why else would he need the special shit that he's collecting? And yeah. on top of that, using NPCs to build an army. Yeah. And one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting about the army buildup was the whole red and black motif. And I, all I kept thinking about in my mind was like the henchman from Alice in Wonderland, 
where they're all in, you know, red and black. Sure. Which yeah. Alice in Wonderland are you? The cartoon, to? the Disney cartoon. Okay. So it'll be more specific. Oh my I guess. gosh. You're digging into like something I haven't seen in like 40, 30 years. And I might even be remembering it wrong. It's been a long damn time. Been a but that's, that's what time. ended up flashing in my mind. That said, we might as well just roll into chapter 20. Because at the end of this chapter, what comes up is they're basically, you know, we need to bring in the B team. We need to bring in the low five, you know, and he summons, they show and they instantly drop to their knees and they're like, that's cool, but we ain't got time for that shit. Get up. and Yeah. I, I kept on like thinking about Wayne's world and when they do that, we're not worthy. We're, worthy. <laughs> we're not worthy. Right. We're right. Scum. We suck. <laughs> I, every time I reread this chapter for, for prep, it was, that's what I pictured. So that really just rolls us in. And again, it's the nice, nice ending to a relatively short chapter. It's breaking bad news. And again, it's, it's setting us up with the new folks to basically combine forces to tackle this. That takes us right into the research that they had done and that they bring to the party, which is that Kira and Og had already laid this shit out in a D&D adventure mod. Well, Kira did. Well, Kira did. Well, Og did too. Because while Kira had the notebook, Og modified it. He put in some shit. Okay, yeah. Right? So he, he knew about it. Player. Yeah, so she had the plan. So there's kind of been this sort of going along of of who created this quest. And uh, and, and now what we have is the map to this quest. You know, the, the Dungeon Magister's Guide to how this quest should be done and also the kind of foes that you're going to encounter uh, and the kind of shit that you need in order to engage those foes. And I thought, well, first off that wraps it up. That, that makes it very easy. She's, she's the one that architected this, right? Because I don't know that that anybody could have really arc Sagan. Go ahead. Steal the term architect from me. Did you want to use that? Did you put that in your notes? No, 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 no. It's just that like architect means something like, I don't know. Architect has gone from like meeting like the people that like design buildings like me to just anything that means building anything. It just hurts me, man. I'm sorry. I don't mean to belittle your title. I'm an architect too, you know. No, you're not. I'm an application architect. It is literally yeah. my title. You just prefix it with some other word and it's like, oh, it's just so totally different. It's like, <laughs> I mean, it is totally different, but they you commandeered my title, built, man planned this this whole thing this whole that they've got they they've got the cheat book they know how this is supposed to go down to a point so that they're going through the trapper keeper they, they find the quest for the seven shards of the siren soul and everything i think that they had suspected about what these crystals are supposed to do has solidified it very specifically states that their point is to get the crystals defeat basically a what was it, an anagram of his father's name? Well, and for, her, for her evil stepfather. Either ste- evil stepfather. Evil. And then to Aren't bring those crystals. Aren't always evil? No. No. Well, one would hope not. Uh, one of the Disney movies, which one was it with like the evil stepmother? Cinderella? Was, Cinderella. Step-parents are evil. And in that movie they were, I suppose. But yeah, I mean, they know they got to bring the crystals to a very specific place. So we, they know where they need to go with this once they've got them and that putting them together will resurrect Kira. So it's just interesting that at this point in the game, they've got the whole game plan. They know how this shit's laid out. They know exactly what they need to do. I have to imagine that because Og and Halliday had already seen this, 
that Halliday also knows what has to be done. Yeah, you would think. Well, assuming that's not the part of his memory that was removed. Fair but enough. We also discover that that Og had inserted into the game a sword called the Dork Slayer. <laughs> What's a dork? Good name? What is a what is a dork exactly, Aaron? I mean, to me, it's like it's similar to like geek or nerd. I thought a dork uh, was a whale penis. It might be, but I think in this case, it's meant to be like, hey, oh, you're a dork. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're a fish dick. <laughs> is that what it like? I if you look I, up the word dork in the dictionary, is that what it says? I'm pretty sure that's what it means, but let's find out real quick. Ooh, I love the internet searches. What does dork mean? An odd, socially awkward, unstylish person. There's a picture mm-hmm. of me there. I felt like a dork in that sweater, is the example they did. It's been around only since the early 1960s, originally as a slang term for penis. Most likely the dork was just an alternative form of dick, a word that started out as a nickname for Richard, a name meaning fellow but which by the late, late 1800s had taken on the additional meaning of penis. Well, I thought maybe, it was specific to like a whale penis, but okay, we pull back, we pull out on this. Yeah, pull out. <laughs> Have you seen the movie Heavy Metal? <laughs> um, I've not. Mm-mm. Oh, well, so one of the parts of that film, because it's kind of like a bunch of different sequences, mm-hmm. features a character called Den, like D-E-N, Den. It's actually voiced by John Candy. And there's a scene where like he he transforms into this character Den, and he's completely naked, and he needs he wants to cover himself up, and he uses he says, "I can't walk uh, something like I can't walk around with my dork hanging out." <laughs> That's not the exact line because it's been a few years since I've seen that that movie. But something like uh, that where he used the word dork like, in it. He used the word dork to infer his junk. Gotcha. There was no way I was going to walk around this place with my dork hanging out. Gotcha. So it's it's interesting here because it was Halliday the, the dungeon master for these games? Yes. If I remember rightly. But it, it says here that he had to keep all of his stuff at Og's house because his parents, his mother thought it was, you know, was the work of, of Satan, the devil. The devil. Which is funny because I do remember a bit in the 80s, and I'm sure this goes even back even further, but you had that satanic panic. Where, where D&D was believed to be, you know, you were pretending all of these sort of magic-y, dangerous concepts and that you could get that and confuse reality and that that was the Satan's way of bringing you in and taking you away from proper Christian morals and ethics. Anyhow, I just thought that was an interesting write-in because that definitely was a thing. Uh, so I thought they were too negligent to even care. They had their own problems. Yeah, you'd think, right? So we learned that Halliday was a bit of a sexist asshole. There's a real long section in this chapter, yeah. uh, like a whole page, it feels, where it goes into how Kira was never considered an equal amongst the three, that her creative works were always sort of undercut by Halliday, that she never received the credit she was supposed to. They liken that to a lot of other creative processes wherein the female creative in that group w- was excluded completely. Case in point, and this wasn't actually in this, but like, for example, your classic tarot card deck is known as your Rider Weight tarot deck. But the fact of the matter is, is that the two men, your Rider and Weight, that were a part of this, 
didn't do the pictures at all. It was all a woman whose last name was Smith. She'd be Rider Waite Smith, but she was completely excluded. So all the drawings of the tarot cards that the most classic tarot cards that most people are familiar with, the artist is completely left out. Female. And that's what popped to my mind, at least. I thought that was kind of interesting. But we learned that that's the case here, too, and that Parzival had argued on behalf of Halliday for not having rolled back the whole, you know, for every male developer or, or creative that we bring in a female as well. But the fact of the matter is, is that he was really just starstruck and compensating for a, a general asshole personality. So for the most part, I was like, well, this is kind of, again, we're painting a guy who's already a really bad guy at this point, just a shade worse. The thing about it is that he's behaving in a way that was very widespread at that time. Sure. That is not to excuse it, but it wasn't abnormal. I, I get it. I, I, I get it. But I mean, at that time would have been like now. And that, that wasn't, it isn't normal now. Right. I, I don't know. It's I can't remember I, the timeline. Was that? I guess it, I guess imagine if you will, imagine if you will, trying to argue that uh, Hitler was a bit sexist. That's not the problem <laughs> of all the bad things that came out of the whole Hitler thing. Him being a little bit sexist is like that's like saying he occasionally kicked his dog. That is pale in comparison to the idea of attempting to kill the entire online world over yeah. trying to resurrect a, a dead past lover that didn't love him. I, I mean, you know, you get this place. He's kind of a sexist, too. But like, that's by far not the worst problem we've got with this guy right now. It, it's not icing on the cake, but it's not no, the worst. It's, it's not even close, you know. He killed millions of people. And he was a little bit sexist. But but what? he recycled. But <laughs> <laughs> it, it, so we get to this chapter and it's like we're drilling into this. Yeah, and Halliday was a bit sexist too, and I was wrong for arguing that he wasn't. You're like, can we just all admit that regardless of how we felt about Halliday at one point, that it's definitely different now and it has nothing to do with him being somewhat sexist in his this is business life. It's like, you know that clock that's ticking? Let's focus on what's important. Let's fucking get to it, kids. I know. All right, right. We'll get to the good part. Sure. This is Aaron from the show. First of all, thank you for listening. Once you finish listening to this episode, do us a solid. Go ahead and give us a rating and write a review of the show. This lets us know that we're doing a good job and helps other people find us. And speaking of other people, if you know someone who might enjoy the show, we would love it if you told them about it. We can be found at gttgp.com. There's tons of stuff on there. You can learn more about us. There's an episode guide. And of course, you can find our social media pages where we love geeking out with our listeners. Now, let's get to the good part. Let's move along, children. Okay, you look enough into anybody's past, they weren't exactly wholesome at some point in their life, and they may have had bad they may have made Whatever. bad decisions like creating a copy of themselves in the digital uh, world that would then or, carry know. out the plan to, to kill everybody in the world in order to blackmail a small group of kids into bringing to life a, a dead person. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, the little bad things, the little bad things. <laughs> stay focused. <laughs> stay focused. All right. So we realized that the Dork Slayer is in a planet on planet Farewell that is in a zero zone. 
And I find this interesting because there are some games that kind of seem to have a zero zone. Um, and, and the idea of a zero zone is that first off, the Oasis has a kind of a limited cube space, but it is possible to explore beyond that. But the thing about exploring beyond that is that it, nothing's been created beyond that. And thus it randomly, randomly generates worlds for you to then explore and find but they're randomly generated. They're not specific to anything. They're so there because you went there. just making the boundary larger? Well, it's, it's considered zone zero. It is the universe outside of the boundary. I thought the whole zone zero thing was probably one of the better things that Klein added to the Oasis mythos because it, it just opens up all kinds of possibilities and unknowns. I... I I love that. Part. I, I I would love to hear more about stuff that's out in Zone Zero. I agree. And if you want an experience of a game that has this sort of random gener- generation, right? That the, the computer just basically goes, oh, you've entered a new area. No one's been here before. Hold on a second. We're going to create some planets and a star and some shit like that and throw it out there. There are, are plenty of games like that that I find fascinating. So... One of the big ones being Minecraft, like that you you put in a code or a key, and that is used to randomly generate this world, and it is unique and different from every other world that's generated by anyone else. You're discovering something wholly new, uh, and in that sense, it's very much your own because you are a participant in that. But the game that kind of came to my mind was No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky is the universe big, right? Where you're going from one system to another and that as you're exploring out like these worlds are being generated and they're explorable and they've got animals and just forests and things that you can mine and it's really very cool it's gotten much better when it was first released it was absolutely slaughtered by critics and game players because it wasn't what they promised but it's become so much better you know if you get a chance to play no man's sky do it you know it's it's a fantastic game now I'm probably not, but someone might. Someone listening might. You know what? Just go to YouTube and just do like a, like a little bit of gameplay just to see how it plays. You don't even have to invest in it to see other people. It's called No Man's Sky. No Man's Sky. By Hello Games. All right. Tell me you've played Minecraft at least. No. Seen uh, it. Never played it. Minecraft, aside from being procedurally generated, is one of those games that reminds me of being a kid and and going into the woods and creating like a fort, right? You're just looking at it and going, how could I use this to create a really cool water gun fort or to create paths through the woods? Like it kind of leaves it to you, sort of this, you know, personal building and the imagination of constructing something out of what's naturally there. I just loved that shit when I was a kid. And that game brings me to that. Is this No Man's Sky? Like it almost looks like they're on Mars or something and they're like wearing spacesuits and shit. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's and cool. And it's it's a survival game. You got to go and collect resources. You got to repair shit and build shit. And eventually, your spaceship is good, but you, know, you can leave the the planet surface. But you've still got to figure out how to jump between systems. It's a nice sort of progressive kind of thing. But if you want to just be the master of your own domain on a given planet, you can. Anyways, that? way off point. But the gist here is, Zone Zero is a place where, as you press beyond the zones that currently exist, it just builds it for you, you know, randomly generates. And as a result, one of these worlds is the world, is the world where 
the Dork Slayer exists. And it's at this point that the Low Five step up because we realize we don't have time to go off to find this world in Zone Zero where the Dork Slayer is and be able to go to Prince Land. <laughs> uh, the Afterlife. And, and, and to do that as well. Can I fall on a Dork Slayer so I don't have to go to Prince Land? Is that a thing? I, no, it, I just again, have to go. The dread of Prince Land is 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 oncoming. And, and and a point that I meant to make in the last chapter that I guess I'll make now is the whole like shitting on Wade for not liking Prince and like accusing him of not being comfortable in his own sexual identity, be, you know, because of you know he wouldn't finish the movie, the uh, the Purple Rain or whatever. It's like you know, can't someone just not like Prince? <laughs> I mean, like, I, I didn't not like Prince. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't dislike him because I knew him personally. No, like, I just wasn't a fan of a lot of the music. Like, it yeah, just, like, it just didn't hit me. It wasn't my thing. I think my first exposure to Prince was the Batman movie, the soundtrack. Oh yeah, that was actually pretty good. It was a good soundtrack. Yeah. The rest of his music, like I probably heard then, you know, a little bit here and there, but like it was also at a point in time in my life where I wasn't like super into music and building up a lot of artists that I liked and what, like, I just wasn't super into that then. I wasn't either. Like, like I had, I had scant few, I had a handful of songs, but no artist that was really into, which is very different than my wife who was very into Duran Duran, right? Me, I didn't have that. I had singular songs that I liked and I, and I would listen to them over again. The one song that I really liked of Prince's was Raspberry Beret. Like that was that one song that I put on a cassette tape and I had like five or six songs I would put on rotation. And that was one of them. And then I wore it out and I was done. And I didn't care that it was Prince or not. I just liked the song. I I first heard that song uh, as a cover and I was like, oh, a good song. And then it's like, oh, it's a Prince song. That's cool. But like, I mean, like, so if I'm not a fanboy of Prince, does that give someone license to accuse me of not being comfortable in my sexual identity or something like, like, fuck you it's like i i don't there's a lot of artists i don't like I, I think i think the point here was that prince crossed that gender neutral boundary he flipped back and forth in the way that he dressed in his mannerisms and his on-stage flirtations um that that if anybody was introduced to this sort of sexual fluidity that prince had it in spades and that for some people, that might have made them subconsciously uncomfortable, that it, it created sort of aroused, if you will, uh, uh, that sort of, you know, itching in the seat, you know, when a video came on, you're kind of like a little risque. I mean, I look back now and I think about the videos and in comparison to the shit that we see today, it's hardly comparable. But back then, it was cutting edge, you know, sort of gender fluidity. And uh, and it was really pushing people's boundaries a bit. So I thought it was kind of interesting that that you know he didn't like it. I think I was just too young then to notice. Yeah, yeah, I could see that, but it might have been that I, I could imagine where it's kind of like you know yeah I didn't realize that that might have been the case, but now I can accept that, and it's really just confirming the fact that Prince was unique, and we can see why H really is attracted to that. Yeah, it makes sense, but like yeah, you know what? Just because. I don't like, it's the whole like, don't yuck my yum. It's like, hey, sure. I'm not yucking your yum. It's just that your yum is not my yum. Sure. I get it. Like, 
Isn't that? But you, you'll notice America, here that that even that maybe being the case, we're not we're not reading in here that Z's like you know what you're right. I think he's awesome now. He's not changing his mind, right? He's just he's just saying maybe I didn't realize that that might have been part of the reason why I didn't like Prince all that much. Maybe, but he's but not this changing is actually his the mind. Last yeah, he's not he's not saying this is actually getting into like the you know an earlier chapter. I'm sorry for the divergent discussion. Well, we're on the edge, right? We're at well, the yeah. end of chapter twenty. We know where we're going next. We we know where we're going, and yeah. Uh, I'll be honest with you. When I read the last sentence here, which was, oh, no, let's go. And I know that's straight out of a Prince song. That's not how I heard it in my mind. It was like, oh, no. <laughs> okay, let's go. Right? Yeah. And, and the thing, <laughs> I don't think it's fair to say, like, it is not for I, not liking where we're going and this laborious set of chapters all about Prince World or Afterworld, whatever it's called. It's not because I don't like Prince. I don't dislike Prince. Is it because he makes you question your your gender identity? Oh yeah, every day. No, it's, <laughs> I don't like because it just goes on and on and on. What the songs do or the chapters do? The chapters. It's like again, I have not reread these. You know, the series of chapters on Afterworld recently enough to be able to remember exactly but Mm -hmm. i remember what you had to do there and i remember and this is really moving ahead um but it all seemed so specific and in a way that how could h have known like oh you have to do these like 40 different things in this sequence you have to get this that and the other thing oh no you're jumping ahead on me yeah i know it it, if it just felt a little bit well all of them have this thing all of them have a love for a place that they're going, right? I mean, H couldn't stand John Hughes' world. Shermer, right? Shermer world. Shermer world. Couldn't stand it. Couldn't stand it. But Artie and Parzival knew all the bits. And it was kind of like, all right, take take our cues. Yeah, and, and, and I still felt like that challenge was almost like needlessly complicated. And I feel we like... We talked about that. Like, it was weird, yeah. the path that it took, like anybody would be able to guess that shit out on their first try. Yeah. And the thing is, like, the only reason why they were able to is because apparently, in the in the midst of her time, be you know, being a co CEO of the company, mm-hmm. was able to become an expert at everything Shermer, right? Which I guess is possible, but it made it like that seems like nothing in comparison to the amount of detail that I remember, and maybe I'm remembering right. wrong, that you <laughs> needed to be able to get through Afterworld. Let's wait till we get there. Let's not jump ahead. I, I get it. We are we are looking on the precipice of purple, and we are uh, combing our brain and preparing ourselves to to dip back in. And uh, all I can say is I understand the panic. Yeah. But uh, we're just gonna have to uh, we're just gonna have to jump in. We, we're gonna need some extra libation, I think, to get through that. That's right. We're gonna have to do this little thing called life in Prince Land. I'm just gonna keep calling it Prince Land. I call it Prince Land. Prince Land. So is there anything about this chapter that we haven't talked about that you would like to discuss? Uh, you know, I, if there was a side book, maybe some fan fiction of the low five, right? I liked the character introduction. I liked the feel of how the characters were described and the kind of back and forth they had for what little we had in those earlier chapters. 
and it was enough to prepare us for them to be involved later in the book. We knew that that had to happen, but it would be really cool to maybe read some fan fiction or maybe if Andy Weir could step up again and he could detail the chapters that are them going to get the dork blade, the dork caster, dork, 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 slayer. dork slayer, excuse me. That would be cool because it, it feels like it's like we need this really pivotal thing. All right, you guys go get it. Huh? Yeah. We're going we're gonna to miss out on that. They're just they're going to go fetch, fetch, fetch the bone, boys. It, what? And uh, I, I would re- it feels like there's a missing part. Right. You know, it should, feels like there should be at least two chapters that are kind of like, meanwhile, yeah. in zone zero, <laughs> you know, on the planet of Far Hell, near the Nixor Sea. I bet if we look, there may be some fanfic already in zone zero. The brave Lo-Fi, Lo-Fi have endeavored to get to the Dork Slayer. And what's their adventure? And, you know who dies and who survives and what, what did they have to do to trick the dragon into letting them get the damn thing? Right. Like there, there could be some cool shit there. I could even see like a separate book. That's just kind of spun around the low five that, that maybe could reinvigorate, you know, ready player 2.5. I don't know, but there are plenty of books that do that sort of thing where they'll, they'll take a book that and just make that an off branch with a subgroup of characters that they want to focus in on. They're not the main characters, they're not the main storyline, but it's a nice sideline to prepare us for where they're going to connect later on in another book. So that when they do, you've got the history of both both plots, right? That there are a lot of great books that do that kind of thing. And I feel like just this group of interesting characters that, in my opinion, I don't get enough of, are going to go off and fetch this thing. And we're not going to get to know about what happened in their adventure. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of bummed that that's how that goes, and that this is where that mm. starts. I'm more curious about Zone Zero than I am about the Low Five. Why? But that's me. I just feel like they feel like such tack ons that like I don't really care about them as characters. It's it's an uncharted territory. Like, how do they find this planet in this uncharted territory? I, that I get, but, but but to me, that's a story about Zone Zero, not about. I mean, the, but like, what would be interesting to me about that is Zone Zero, not the Low sure. Five. Well, I I could see the Low Five driving the story about Zone Zero. They right? could, but I don't know if I'm going to care about it about them. I don't. I don't care about those fucking characters. You just care about the the mysterious planets in this uncharted yeah, I realm. Think that sounds cool, but like you know, I know I, what's cooler: the land that no one's ever heard of, or the the explorers that discover it. There, there's this whole level of world building with the Oasis that we just don't. We've not. We don't have. And like that to me is like the the world of possibility that is intriguing to me. It's not you know so much you, these kind of side characters. Then you you need to play those two games, man. I can guarantee you I'm probably not playing any video games. <laughs> I'm so fascinated in the world building and exploration. Don't care to actually play it, but would love to hear about it. <laughs> give me give give it to me in a book. I can do books. Video games I can't do. Even in the book, there has to be somebody that is you. That you have to be one of the characters, you know. And and I, I like how character. throughout the book, you know, the, I am one. Of, I can identify characters as they like or dislike certain things in the book. Right? I identify with Parsville not liking the princey stuff. Right? And I identify with H not really being into the Shermer Illinois thing. Well, 
I'm not really good at this, I suppose. Speaking anyway. of Shermer, did, did you catch the Shermer reference in this chapter, chapter 20? I missed it. You did. Ah. So right after the low five leave and they're all saying, wow, like that chick is amazing. You know, how do you, <gasps> oh, right. how do you happen to meet all these like people that are way cooler than you? And he responds, humility, madam. That's my secret. That and my clean, close shave. Oh, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Um, See if you can um, remember. Hold on. Hold on. That that feels very. Um, oh shit! Why can't I remember? Uh, I'll give you a hint. It's from a John Hughes movie. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, um, I can see. It feels that feels very me. Ferris Bueller. No. No. Oh, uh, then I'm at a loss. Where does that come from? So that's from Sixteen Candles. It's Farmer Ted, played by Anthony Michael Hall. No, oh. it's when he they wake up in the car. He's with that the the older you know the pretty girl who he mm-hmm. slept with, but they don't remember. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty sure it's that scene, and he says something about his clean clothes shave. Okay, no, I totally missed it, and I've seen that movie, but I just don't remember that bit. It's been a while. It's been a few decades. I Sorry. hope I got that reference right. That's what I remember. But um, all right. Well, if not, I hope people come back on our Facebook page and go, you got that wrong. Uh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> they will. All right. So they, they decide to split up. Low Five's going to search for the sword. Parzival, high five. I just found it. So it, it's when um, she says, she asks Farmer Ted. You know what I like best? Like being close shave? No. <laughs> Good catch. Like your clean, That's a good catch. Shave. Well done. You, you mean like you could grow a beard if you wanted to? <laughs> <laughs> a good, good catch. Good catch. No, I totally missed that. I didn't even realize that was a reference. But I'm not surprised at the same time. All right. So the two teams decide to split up. And this chapter uh, ends with Artie going back to the real world because she's going to go and take charge in finding Og. Because she can. Because and she can. It's like... Yeah, let's take somebody that has no experience, you know, hunting down, you know, like doing well, all this well, stuff. who would they tell? How would they communicate it? Everyone she could communicate with in the Oasis is in the Oasis and can't get out. But, like, what is she going to do? Like, storm into, like, the police the department. building? Yeah, and... sure. Well, she owns the Oasis. They're going to listen to her. You'd think. That would be Which, like me going to like the police force saying like, hey, you know, like that armed robbery situation thing you got going in there. Send me in. Well, OK, I get you. I think that that would be more like that like, could never happen in the real world. It, I, I think that the higher up you are in a business that's that influential, the more it would have to be you. And the right. thing is, the more higher up you are, the less likely they're going to let you take on a very dangerous situation that could end your life. That's what well, we already talked about how in the first few chapters, they were able just to like walk on, nod to the police officers and explore the, the crimes, the crime scene. Like it was no big thing. Well, so yeah, evidently police in pocket, you know, or man. they own that security force because they say money doesn't solve your problems, but man, sure. But, seems but money like can it. hire muscle and a police and a, your own police force. Money can do a whole lot. Yeah. They can get pretty far. Anyhow, 
Are we are we at the end of this chapter? Have we reached that place? Oh no. Let's, Let's go. go. <laughs> All right. This is Chris. This is Aaron. And we will catch you in the next chapter. Freddy Player Two. See you then. Thanks for it. Let's get crazy. Let's get nuts. <sighs> yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do with it. I have to like, listen to that. Those, I don't know. I just don't know. I just don't know. Uh, I, I feel it's going to take some alcohol, man. It's going to take some.